Hello. 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 I'm Mark. And I'm Joe. And I'm Luke. And this is... Finish me! I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Finish me! <big. laughs> yes, we are listing our way through all of Big Finish in order. Making our way through. Slowly. Well, bit by bit. But surely, but with special help this week. <laughs> yes, we are joined by Luke Malloy. Hello, thank you for having me. Excuse me, uh, before we start anything here, I need to ask Mr. Luke Malloy, what is your Big Finish pedigree? I mean, are you worthy of this podcast? Tell me, you and Big Finish, what's your relationship? Yeah, I've got I've got three bookshelves worth of Big Finish. Oh, Jesus. Is that, does that qualify? Uh, that's nearly a Absolutely. second mortgage, yeah. I think a big... <laughs> yeah, true. I think a big uh, difference between me and you two might be I'm a lot more familiar with the boxer era of... Uh, of just everything, so your your eighth doctors and your war doctors and all that sort of stuff, and not too familiar with some of the main range stuff, especially Sylvester McCoy. I've never really dived into that at all. That's oh, fine. So, are That's, you trying to tell me you, you're not missing? You've anything. never heard Sophie Aldred on <laughs> oh, audio God. already. Sophie Aldred. <laughs> I think maybe only in. Zagreus. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's not a good example. <laughs> or, what is she doing, Zagreus? Isn't she a duck or something? <laughs> She's always it? a duck, I'm telling you. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's oral torture, I tell you, listening to her. He put on a short trips the other day. Just her talking for an hour. Anyway, oh. this is not about Sophie Eldridge this yeah. time. For once, uh, we are talking about the Paul McGann stories. So, Luke, you've heard the Paul McGann set. Yes, I have. This is my second time listening to these three. It was only a year or two ago that I did it all from beginning, uh, from Storm Warning to like Divergence and everything. Um, but I've listened to like Dark Eyes a fair few times and sort of that era onwards. Um, it was interesting, actually. I've changed opinion on one of these three stories quite Ooh. significantly. So I, I might have a doco. I, how it I hope it was there. in the right direction. It, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. that's oh. And then the other two stayed pretty much what I thought they were going to. So yeah, how we'll intriguing. Mm. Well, we'll unpick that then. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the second half of the the series that we're doing. So the stories we're talking about today are. Embrace the darkness. Your eyes. You've lost your eyes. <laughs> Time of the Daleks. It's wasted on the rabble. Pearls before swine. That is why Shakespeare must die. And Neverland. God. I'm going to meet the Time Lords. Can't wait to see Gallifrey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that bit. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah, so previously we did Invaders from Mars, Chimes of Midnight and Seasons of Fear. Previously on Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, yeah. <laughs> you see that in your Don Warrington voice. I'm sorry. Previously on Doctor I'm not saying exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they were, they were a mixed bag for us, weren't they? Well, Invaders from Mars was our least favourite. Chimes of time, Midnight is an absolute classic. Obviously Chimes of Midnight. And uh, Seasons of Fear was very good as well. Yeah. Well, can we ask Luke what he thought of those three stories? Yeah. Luke, what did you think of those three stories? Yeah, I've not heard your your, your podcast is now yet, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he ain't it, it, it yet. He's, he's behind. 
I pretty much agree with what you've said there. Um, I'm pushed to remember much about Invaders of Mars, actually, apart from bad American accents and it being a bit long. But mm. uh, I think using the Orson Welles' radio broadcast to sort of... Do they use it to dispel the bad guys? It's, oh, do you know oh, what? I probably can't tell you now. <laughs> it's very funny because aliens come down during the War of the Worlds broadcast, right? And they want their technology back. So they use the War of the Worlds broadcast to pretend that there's already an alien invasion in progress so those aliens bugger off. Yeah, I really like that idea. I think just overall it's a bit long and naff. Um, the cover's really iconic, though. It's the cover stays cover. in my head for some yeah, reason. it's brilliant. It's got a very starry cast, we were saying. Jessica Hines, Simon Pegg, you know. Really? Yeah. <laughs> All <laughs> doing dreadful comedy accents. <laughs> um, Chance of Midnight is annoyingly like iconic for a reason. It's uh, I can't be contrary about it. I've heard it a few times. It's brilliant. Each episode takes you in a new direction. It keeps you guessing. Because uh, like part one's like a murder mystery, and then you have like an anti-murder mystery for part two, and then there's like a puzzle box, and then it's like a big murder house at the end, isn't it? Um, it's got that sort of Doctor's Wife house feel about the villain. Rob Sheeran's just a bloody great writer. He's a genius, isn't he? He oh, is just. Are a... you dead, Luke, or are you alive? <laughs> am I dead, or am I alive? Oh, it's, it's just great, and like, ah, oh, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that is though the big finished story, isn't it? Yeah, and it would it appear is... that Mrs. Baddeley has stuffed herself to death with her own plum pudding. And I, yeah, as I say, I I do agree with it. I would put the one Doctor above it though. Just gonna say, yes. So I'm getting there. <laughs> <laughs> for, for listeners, we were just talking before, and I'm listening to the Colin Baker's main range in order, and I am just up to the one doctor, which got a glowing review on Finished Big. Mm. Mm. But also, you know, you do need to remember you got a life, so you also need to spend money on other things. <laughs> just big fin, you know. <laughs> It's very we, expensive. Mind you, those early ones are quite cheap now, aren't they? They're sort of two, they're, nine, two I mean, ninety nine. These ones are on Spotify for free anyway. Mm. The first oh. Well, what are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, seasons, from from what I remember doing it the first time, was the unexpected highlight, I thought. Um, it's just like dancing about in space and time. Um, oh, the twist. The twist at the end of part three knocked me for six the first oh, time. I, yes. I, I hadn't got any like inkling or... I know there's, there's a bit of foreshadowing there, if you know, but like... First time I'd had no inkling of it and I hadn't heard the rumours of it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. And I know there's that bit that ties in with Time of the Daleks, which we're doing now. But um, yeah, I feel like when I listened, the last finished big I listened to, you were saying, oh, we're in for like the best run of, you know, all the adventures that that happens on Big Finish. I These like six stories are, they sort of remind me of season 10, uh, series 10 with Capaldi. Is that like the vibe is that it feels great and that everyone loves it. But when you actually listen or watch them individually, they're just a bit, well, no, some of them are good, but some of them are just a bit meh. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that's spot on. But I think it's the whole Charlie Arc thing. It's exciting, it's isn't it? It's brilliant and exciting. Is. But then, so yeah. This is the one difference as well, is you listen to this as it came out, like, and it was new Doctor Who. And there's such, such a difference in that. 
because you're always going to take yourself back to that first Are you time. saying we're old? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, for me, it's just, you know, especially when you listen to Big Fish all the time, it's another story from the past. You just, you get familiar with it. It doesn't have that impact that it would if it was, like, the new, or like, even the new ones that come out now on Big Finish, I sort of, they feel like a little bit, like, the, the ones from Future one that came out, I sort of was excited for that. But if it was like two years down the line and I bought it, I was going to listen to it. You wouldn't have that excitement for it. But it's like all the sort of multi-doctor stuff. It's so old hat now, isn't it? It's been done to death. But like this was the first time they'd done anything like this, like uh, a long arc and giving a companion focus like this. So there was sort of like a frisson sort of that was behind the actual stories that were being told. You know, in fact, you know what it reminds me of? Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who, yes, right? No, it does. It is, yeah. in, in the, it you is. know what? There's a lot of shit in there, you know. But the twists and turns are quite exciting, you know. The the structure of the season's pretty good. Yeah, and it's all around like, uh, well, time and a companion. So it's quite Amy Pondy series five in that way. I quite like series like that where you, they have a vibe about them. I think that's almost harder to get than just a run of good stories. Season 19 sort of has that. I don't know why. I always think it. Season 19 has this fresh, lovely vibe of like four it, it, happy friends traveling the universe. When you watch them and they all hate each other <laughs> <Yeah>. the stories of <laughs> shit. And it's four to doomsday and time flight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just strange, isn't it? Sometimes you just get a good feeling. But I'll tell you what it is, though. It's especially with the latter half of the season, because I think probably Embrace the Darkness and Time of the Daleks are quite flawed in many ways. They're good stories to talk about. Yes, they are juicy. Um, especially, well, especially Neverland, actually. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, really juicy. And we love a bit of juice here on Finish Big. Mm. <laughs> well, so... Can I just say one thing? Yeah. I'd just like to make an apology. I, I just want to apologise to you, Luke, because I did say, in fact, in uh, the last episode that you were the only heterosexual man that was willing to masturbate Paul McGann, but you love him so much. <laughs> can, you con- can you confirm if this is true or not? Valid. We'll oh, yeah. Okay, then I'm no longer apologising. No, don't apologise. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you love him, don't you? Yeah, I think he's been, he's easily the best audio doctor. I think he's just... I'm sorry, I know you're the big Colin Baker fan. I th- I, it is very close, though, for me. It's that It's just sort of romantic voice. Out of them all, he can take me away. Plus, he's not having to recreate anything he did on screen. So you've never got that conflict of like, oh, he doesn't sound like there, or where does he fit there? Paul McGann is always new on audio, isn't he? So it's always a bit more excited. But it's not just that. I think he is as well. Just the most... She's got the best voice to listen to. Agreed. Yeah. At least my favourite. Sexy as hell as well. Mm. Even now. Even. Especially now. <laughs> he's like... He's, uh, aging he's like not aged at all. Wine, he's not no. aged at all. Yeah. Sexy as hell. I hope he's tuning into this episode. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty massive. Uh, should we talk about the first story then? And I'll show you the facts. To. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Reminding us all to go to Specsavers, Embrace the Darkness was released in April 2002, starring Paul McGann and India <laughs> Fisher, uh, featuring Nicola Boyce, Lee Moore, and Mark McDonnell. This was written by Nick Briggs. Directed by Nick Briggs, with music by Jim Mortimer. Mm. Wasn't the music good? 
Sorry, I'm not that Well, it's a it's a Nicholas. Well, obviously, it's got Nicholas Briggs name. And what did he write last? Sword of Orion. Did he do last? Oh, and we were not fans of that. I was no. thinking, oh, is this going to be another sort of kind of, you know, soldiers in or scientists in space being a bit trying to be like cool dialogue, mm. but it's not because he just can't write that kind of thing. I don't. It's had a different vibe to this. I think. I think this is better than it Sword of Orion. Definitely is better than Sword of Orion. Yeah. Um. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, I'm convinced. Do you know, I'm not the biggest um, Nick Briggs hater, really. Oh. I think he's, he's well, got as much. <laughs> we are partic- no, we are particularly harsh, but yeah. he's well, uh, he's he's got so much output, and like I think thirty percent of it is really good. Thirty percent, did you say? Yeah, that's that's way hard. below half. Right. <laughs> Given that he's brought out a hundred releases, that's only thirty. No, but I'm not, saying, I'm really not good. saying good. I'm saying like really good. Like ah, oh, go on, can I, you I name, name and shame then? Come on, what's really good? Uh, Dark Eyes One is. Oh, I really, really love Dark Eyes mm. One. Get and he wrote in your tardy backs. Uh, and Creatures of Beauty. That's Cre- an oh, amazing that's a piece of work. Patient Zero is fantastic. I think. I haven't got the... Oh, okay, it's really good. And Blue Forgotten Planet, actually. Yeah. Oh, To the Death and Lucy Miller. Yes, yes, I know that. That's yeah, great. Yeah. But then let's remember the 500 Fourth Doctor adventures that he's done that we've all yeah, forgotten about. Yeah, the excellence. Energy of the Daleks. <laughs> was it Zygon Hunt? Oh. oh, yeah, Zygon Hunt was not... Energy of the Daleks. What was that even about? Got a final release. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, he's trying to do something... I think he said he wanted... Something would only work on audio, and I think he does try and create an atmosphere. Well, it's certainly in part one. Part one is the best episode of this. I, I feel. See, I really struggle with part one of this. Really, I, I know it was, but it was the robot. Oh, sorry. Explain your presence in the Sumerian system. Educational. Uh, the doctor wanted to know what happened to the sun. That's right, isn't it? That's right. Yes, that's right. Is that allowed? Did I say something wrong? He seems to be thinking about it. Rescue operational security. Are you on a rescue mission? Who are you rescuing? What does that mean? We're not a biological hazard. Your analysis must be incorrect. There is no mistake. My form identified as Doctor, Humanoid, Bicardial, Unknown Species, No Threat. My form identified as Charlie, Humanoid, Tenant Origin. My form contains mutant cellular cultures and inimical. Inimical? what? I hope you're not talking about me. I don't understand. My form must be terminated. What? Blood, I really hated the robots. Oh, I love them. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know, but I really wound me up the wrong way. But I thought this had a terrible opening. It just didn't bring me in at all. Then weirdly sort of got sucked in the middle around like part three. And then the ending was just really odd as well. We hmm. we have got to talk about that ending. I I, I still can't oh. believe that we've gone through this entire suspenseful thing of people losing their eyes, which is a great horror idea. Yes. Only for them to be told, actually, we're healers all along, and then to be introduced to this race of terrifying, you know, horrible people that are going to come along and kill everybody. And actually, no, it's just the same people as the healers. And we we were just looking for more people of our own kind. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> I didn't mind that they were. I thought the Healers thing was quite cool. Um, nice little spin. I, d- I just thought it was all resolved so quickly. This uh, this explanation of oh they're actually us, but like millions of years they've come back to visit and they're actually fine. And then they just disappear again. It all happened in the space of about two minutes. Was, yeah, it really threw me. Well, I don't think there's enough story for four episodes. No, in this, this this would be a one hour release now. Yes, yeah, really that would work really well. I first listened to this in the dark. I remember listening to part one in pitch black. Maybe that's why I really like part one because just that that noise of the you know when they um, what are they called Sumerians Sumerians, Sumerians make that sort of high pitch kind of noise and the voice and everything. Embrace I think the that's quite effective. And yeah. he's doing he's keeping it. It's small cast in just a couple of locations, mm. which I kind of like. I like that setup. Can I tell but you... it's just not enough story for me. After part one, and then it's just more robot chat. I agree the robot just goes on too much. Rossum is just... <laughs> I can tell you the, a, the a ch- fascinating trivia fact about the cast, you know, because it oh, was dude, originally double please. the size. It was it was about eight people, mm. and Briggs was like, "Oh shit, no, Gary's never gonna let me get away with this." So he what he did was he took four characters and created Rosam out of those four characters, a device that could do all the roles that those characters ah. were doing. So they all sort of had scientific roles, and the robot took all the roles of them. So that's why the robot's so prominent. He's playing four parts. Yeah, it's just the voice, the voice effect on it just actually wound me up. Okay. <laughs> well the chat between the doctor and the computer it was, it was like the chat between him and the computer in Shardar I thought trying to yeah, explain I, I and, really liked and, and, all that but stuff. it just went on too long like, there was just too much of it and I just think, I think. The, the whole thing about the lights going out them losing their eyes mm. sort of stumbling about in the dark that's just classic that's... Doctor Who stuff you know did, yeah. so yeah I think when I listened to this the first time that, that cliffhanger at the end of part one was the only thing I remembered going into this that did stand out. It is a really good moment because you're not too sure what's going on, and Charlie's getting closer. And it's yeah, it's, it's you're left with quite a horrifying image, aren't you, of a person with no eyes? That is really good. But, that, but those, um, what is it? Uh, what's her name? Orlenza. Orlenza. And oh. She's she's all right to begin with. Then she just turns into no, a bit of that, a moody bitch. I mean, she there's inconsistent characterisation, and then there is. And then I don't girl. think you guys are taking me seriously. Yeah, to why don't you shut up, Charlie? <laughs> to could you could you go a little bit? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. what the fuck is going on with this character? Yeah, yeah, she, it's wild. She landed <laughs> all over the place. She she goes from annoying and then to quite funny and then to a bitch. And then you just think, what is going on? And then she's the one waving the flag for these people. <laughs> but do you know what? This is. Uh, yeah, we've talked about this before. The one thing Nick Briggs, well, there's many things he can't do, but the one thing he definitely can't do is fucking banter. And those yeah. scenes at the beginning oh, where they're no. going, "We love you, Warlands." Oh. oh yes, we do. I was like, "Oh, cr- has he actually had a conversation with a friend?" <laughs> like- <laughs> that is the worst. That is the worst moment. Oh, <laughs> agonising. Yeah, I mean, I like to see the. I had this nice image of the Sumerians. They they seem quite creepy in my head. They're like glowing white and small and sort of thin, tenderly things. Well, that's the good um, thing about everyone being blind. Everyone has to explain. The doctor has to explain yeah, what they clear, look like to device. everyone. <laughs> so Did you not get when they were that. talking about sort of grey little aliens, little baby? Yeah, were you not like... seeing those aliens from Galaxy Quest that are down on the planet? Do you remember those I, little I, aliens? I, I've not seen Galaxy. Oh, Quest. do you remember them? Yeah. 
Well, they're just like Roswell aliens, aren't they? Like grey. That's what I was saying. Grey things, aren't they? Yeah. They were a little bit, like in my head, they were a little bit Roswell, but yeah. white. Yeah. Do you know what was a great idea, I thought, was the just the mystery as to why the sun went out. That was a good hook into the story for me. I was like, okay, let's see what the answer is. And then the answer came, and actually it wasn't shit, which surprised me. <laughs> it was, they turned the sun out because it would stop solar ships coming and people coming to attack them. That makes sense. Yes, I thought that was really good, because that's around the sort of part three, part four bit. And that's what really sort of started to bring me back in. So I thought that's that's a genuinely good bit of storytelling. No, well, no, I was I was more sort of started off quite invested, and then as it went on, I was just like, they're just wandering around in the dark a lot and chatting, and I, I just got I lost interest as it went on. I think. Well, I think I, the pace just really varied all over the shop, didn't it? It's really quick and then it's really slow. There's and then she's she's chatting for about five minutes of how she killed someone with a spanner. Oh yeah, and... actually, yeah, no, I like that bit. <laughs> what? No, I just hit him. Or something, that or was so like weird. That. <laughs> What's that about? If I was working with someone, they went, "Oh yeah, like bludgeon someone to death with a spanner." Like, get, me, get me out of here now. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. Very, but then, and then the, there's a nice bit near the end with Charlie and the Doctor, where the Doctor goes off, and then she's like, "No, you don't. You dare." Go and sacrifice yourself. Oh, I, oh like, yeah. I quite like that. That bit was, as well. yeah. yeah. I like that. She goes, Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I think you, you, when you keep them separate, it's just not as good, is it? No. They're so good together. Mm. That, yeah. Um, which stuff is, and that, that was what story. we said about Seasons of Fear. There's the whole story there together. And in Sword of Orion, it's the same. They're separated on the ship, aren't they? For quite a lot oh, of the time. And she's off with the other guy. It's pretty much the same, yeah. I mean, the music's come on because the music is sort of an eye was like a pneumatic drill going through my head. <laughs> Dreadful. I have got some fascinating tidbits to tell you here both. Here we go. Bring yeah. them out. To hear. <laughs> so where do you imagine this one was recorded in the season, in the in the running order? Oh, uh, second, maybe? Last. This was the last story of the second season to be recorded. And by all accounts, Paul McGann was very tired at this point. Um, apparently, he was complaining he was uh, that he was being worked too hard, that he wasn't comfortable with the long speeches in the script, and apparently he was just messing about and sort of murmuring behind the backs of the director. Apparently, he was being a bit of an ass. Oh, oh no. I didn't pick up on any of that. And but what Briggs says, he's got this natural charisma in that you just can't tell. In fact, do you know Jim Mortimer recorded all of Paul McGann's bits in the green room and some of those bits were included in the play because that's where he was being naturally funny. Ah. So non-scripted scenes and non-scripted dialogue oh, is in here. Well, I don't know, it doesn't say. What's he talking about? He's not saying stuff about embrace the darkness in the green room, is he? He's not like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got to Has do he this. Got a life? <laughs> like, he's no, talking about I'll the food or I'll something. I'll tell you what Nick Briggs writes in the book, all right? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, it was one of the worst weeks of Nick Briggs' life. So, so apparently, the whole thing was just a misery to record. Um, the, the woman who played Alenza and the fella from Dalek Empire were involved in a car accident on the way to the studio. Oh, my God. And poor Nick Briggs had a stinking cold, so he weren't even allowed to be anywhere near the actor. So he had to do, do it all via, uh, via telephone. Oh. So apparently the whole experience was terrible. And to their Does credit... Nick Briggs the robot? I'm not uh, sure. No, I think there is somebody playing the robot. Nick Briggs is the sound... It's the little creatures. 
And do you, do you want to know what the most telling fact is? This is the only script that Gary Russell didn't see before it hit the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it may not have been made. Um, and Jim Mortimer and Nick Briggs. I think the sound design on this was really strong. And that's Jim Mortimer doing that. And apparently there was loads of creative tension. Um, <laughs> Nick Briggs um, is quoted here as saying... Um, he thought the music was repetitive and he kept making him change it. And Jim Mortimer said to Nick Briggs, you know, you literally do not, do not understand what you've written here. I will translate this for you. So Briggs has a habit of having a bit of creative tension with people. Yeah. It makes sense really, doesn't it? If he's like, if it's slowly ascended up the ranks of big finish, cause he's just trying to get his hands, his grubby mitts and everything. <laughs> 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 and, he, and he succeeded as well. It's not, yeah. it's not like terrible. It's not one that a lot of people talk about or recommend. I've not, I wouldn't want to like... go back to it. I didn't hate it. I, I think whoever said it sums it up best with it would just be a one-hour story now. I you think, cut yeah. out most of part two and most of part three. There's, just, yeah. there's not enough plot, is there? Oh, there's no, not enough plot for they're the just wandering about the, the spaceship. I was quite confused as well about sort of who was on this ship and then there was a small ship and then they were on their ship right at the beginning it took me a while to figure out where where about everyone was because charlie goes down they're up with the computer and then she goes down on her yeah. own to the where yeah i don't know where that is it was just down in my <laughs> just somewhere somewhere dark it's, it's probably quite telling that the most exciting scene in the entire story is the war tardises appearing at the beginning oh. to dog the doctor and, and then the story begins after that I do like in every single story, though, they're not letting you forget the No, arc. there's something there in the background. So there's always yeah. a reference. It's just like, if it was on TV, you'd be like, oh, it's, it doesn't really belong here. But you know that whoever's listening to this is getting the season and is listening and is a Doctor Who fan. So it works perfectly fine. It's like, ooh. It, I mean, it's worth noting as well that, you know, when the new series came back and they started doing season-long arcs and when Rusty Davis lent into that whole idea of... Um, the consequences of Rose being a companion. But this actually was all done before with Charlie on Big Finish. Yeah. So we were all praising it as being, you know, massively innovative and, and experimental. But actually, Gary Russell got there first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ru- sorry Russell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, weirdly, you know, you've got that sort of innovative groundbreaking arc and then like the part one of this is just like the wheel in space episode one. It's just about <laughs> it is a bit, yeah. yeah, it's, it's quite true. similar, isn't it? They just mm. go around talking to a robot. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least Sophia's not in it. <laughs> yes, we can at least say that. Yes, <laughs> Doctor, what's this metal meanie doing? Oh God! <laughs> yes, you've got no eyes. <laughs> how you can burn eyes out and then give them back? That, that was a bit weird, but I'll I'll, I'll roll with it. Mm. The cliffhanger's good though. It is a good. That is a great. Yeah, I wouldn't swap it. Have they done any other sort of stories where characters are like completely blind for just thinking for all the audience? I'm not all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. look at me. It didn't work there either, really. Did (laughs) for an audio? It's it's kind of perfect, but I don't. I can't think of any other stories that they've done. Have you heard Whispers of Terror? The early oh, Colin Baker one. Yeah. There was a blind character in that yeah. who was deliberately blind to keep a twist hidden, which I thought mm. was quite clever. They do occasionally they find these really clever ways to tell stories on audio. 
you know, and that's one of the techniques they can use. Well, right. I, mean, I guess, but well, it has answered one question though, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Now we know which one Lou's changed his mind on. Right. It's, yeah, it's got to be time with the Daleks because I'm oh, sure you already like Neverland. Well. I'm sure. <gasps> oh, <laughs> my God. Well, should we go on to the next story? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Not about the universe's most evil creatures growing their own seasoning. Time of the Daleks was released in May 2002, <laughs> guest starring Dot Smith, Nicola Boyce, and Mark McDonnell. It's Dot Smith, isn't it? Why do you say Dot Smith like you can't believe that because someone's like, name? <laughs> Dot Smith? I was like, is that his name? <laughs> this was written by Justin Richards, directed by Nicholas Briggs, with music by Nicholas Briggs. He's busy. Hey. Isn't he busy? He's very busy, oh. isn't he? Yeah, no wonder he's got a cold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we should take over to our guest for this one. Oh, no. I mean, I really struggled again with this. Just messy, boring, boggy, never quite clear where you're meant to be or what's going on. Why is Mark looking like that? No, I'm um, sort of agreeing. I'm sort of agreeing. The Doctor doesn't do it. The Daleks just let the Doctor sort of walk about for four parts, like leisurely do nothing. Um, he's always just tasked with fixing things around. Um, it's just, I don't know. I, I just don't know what they're even trying to do. The Doctor doesn't do anything. Uh, the Shakespeare concept seems quite cool that the, the Daleks and Shakespeare and Daleks quoting Shakespeare. That's quite a nice concept, but Shakespeare's not really got anything to do with this by the end of it. Um, and he's just a, I mean, like, it's just a weird boy in the background. <laughs> but that's just a really Did you odd, guess? I, know, I knew weird. straight away. The second that kid came along going, Mistress, Doth, one, two, eight, I was like, oh, he's talking like Shakespeare. That kid is Shakespeare. I didn't guess Sometimes that. Sometimes Big Finish is unclear and and you can sort of you give it another go, and you like you feel right. You should give it another go, and you'll and it'll work out. But this just wasn't one of those. I mean, I technically I've given it another go, but it was just a load of chatting about the master clock, wasn't it? I think this is the first time I've actually listened to it all the way through properly and concentrated. And I you still don't, you didn't like really a get nice it. linear plot. I, this is as I've, far no, from I've a never, nice linear plot. Than yeah, you could ever I've never get. liked this one, so I wasn't looking forward to going back to this. And. And, yeah, I sort of agree. Like they did with, like, you know, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship. It's an epic title. Let's make a story about it. It's like Daleks speaking Shakespeare. Tis now the very witching time of night. Where are you going? I need to think. When churchyards yawn. Keep an eye on things, too. And hell itself breathes out contagion to this world. I have to work out what's going on. This is why we're here, Charlie. Now could I drink hot blood? In one hour, somehow, we face the beginning of the end of the world. Why are you so worried? It's not like these Daleks are going around killing anyone. And it isn't, and that's what worries me most. I don't know, I just didn't like the story, and I didn't... There's, there's I, nothing I, there, though. There's nothing it's else. Not, it's not about Daleks and Shakespeare. It's just not. The, the, it's a bit Resurrection of the Daleksy, where there's about ten different plots going on. They, they want to blow up the universe to real time, and then they want to get a new pilot, and then they're using Charlie to do it all over again, and then they're suddenly stuck in a time well or whatever um and that and that time 
the time machine thing with the mirrors and the clocks is all a bit evil of the Daleks. Yeah, to me, exactly. there's quite yeah, a lot of evil of the Daleks. In fact, in he talks a lot about evil of the Daleks in the Inside Story. But I mean, it, <clears throat> it should be exciting because it's the first time we've got the Eighth Doctor and the Daleks. So that's a. I'm, I'm glad there is a Dalek story in this season, but it just doesn't do anything apart. From, okay, there's talking Shakespeare, and and at this point in time, they've not really used the Daleks very much. We haven't had all of the new series Daleks acting out of character or. or doing different things so this is one of those early examples of them doing that but it still doesn't it's still not enough to make the story particularly interesting oh i'm gonna disagree with both of you no no i don't think this is great i don't think this is great i do think this was a much better listen than when i did it for my docker ho reviews it is messy and it is overly complicated um, but I think there's enough here that I can't write it off completely. I think the idea of the time machine made out of clocks and mirrors is just enticing. Whether it's from Evil of the Daleks or whether it's here, it's very Doctor Who. I think that the fact that it's a circular story, that where we start and where we end is a complete time paradox loop, is really, really clever. Daleks quoting Shakespeare is a fun idea, I think. And it's doing yeah. it's doing something different. We're hearing that sort of poetic language come out of those crazy voices. That's that's a unique thing we're doing with the Daleks. And after so many Dalek stories, that's quite refreshing. That's the bit of a clash for me, though, I think. You've got this really serious time travelly paradoxy thing going on. And you've got this really fun idea of the Daleks quoting Shakespeare. Or do you think it should have been just a bit more like a comedy? Maybe a bit more fun, especially with Neverland coming after it and Embrace the Darkness being before it. I know, weirdly enough, they do the comedy in Zagreus. And it's but I can imagine, agonizing. I can imagine back then that they wouldn't have wanted a, like a comical Dalek episode, especially not in the great Paul McGann main range stories. Mm. Like, I think of... the biggest problem here is none of the secondary characters, apart from Learman, who I really liked. <laughs> Des- I like Liam and Despotic, like and it was originally supposed to be a bloke playing the part, and um, it was written for a bloke, and then Nick Briggs cast Dot Smith, who Dot Mark Smith. can't <laughs> believe that's her name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also really liked, I liked the bit at the end where they mutate Liam and where they turn on her, put her in a Dalek. That yes. was really great. Yeah. I like the fact that it's Charlie that's causing time to go out of wonk. So again, we're still not forgetting about the arc. And I did think there were some good scenes in here. There was a great, there was a great bit where um, all the mirrors turned to a future where the Daleks were in control. So it kind of showed you the stakes. For two episodes, I was really confused as to what everybody was doing. And then in episode three, it made it explicitly clear: Learman wants to kill Shakespeare and be the only person to have his knowledge so suddenly that all made sense and that the Daleks were going through all this rigmarole to become the master of time which is something I thought they'd already mastered well, but why is like, everyone so bothered about Shakespeare well that's the, the thing yeah, it, <laughs> like, as a concept why? well that was they're like my... talking like he's the most important person ever 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 yeah but the and doctor it's... says at the end it, oh, it didn't really have much to do with Shakespeare and that just sort of summed it up because he just didn't have much to do with Shakespeare. He was like, oh, Shakespeare's just a byproduct of the fact that Daleks uh, were going to become the masters of Daleks. Well, it was just all like a quirky idea, wasn't it? But like I but said to you... it's just that rebel woman took him, took the boy. Yeah. That, well, that's why everyone forgot him, yeah. And yeah. in, in but... Invaders of Mars, Orson Welles didn't remember a Shakespeare quote, did he? No, so was, it's yeah, going right back to that story. Yeah, that, yeah that... that's cool. And there's a bit, isn't there, where the, the Dalek goes through to Roman times 
and that's how seems to fear yeah but mm. i don't yeah i think what you're in part two what you're talking about that's where i was just like what is going on yeah there I, was I, I to... <laughs> and the renegade are just bouncing between times and everyone's yeah. talking about the master clock and, and you're like... and you're right about the daleks just wandering around everyone does seem to be able to go wherever they want i was like have they <laughs> invaded have they taken over or are they just there like it wasn't really they weren't like prisoners all the time or sometimes they were sometimes they weren't and it was like well, yeah where is everyone what are they and like they they seem to be invited and they're helping her with the time travel experiments, but then they exterminate the professor ten minutes in, but then they just <laughs> I just couldn't get my head around what, you, what it was meant to be. Didn't you love the blue Peter bit though, where they showed you how to make a time travel portal device out of a tea tray and some tin foil? Oh the tin foil started <laughs> really well. I was like, that is not a mirror. Tin foil. I, I was no like way. I don't think that would work. That is not know? gonna work. No, no. I said to Mark after we listened to episode one, I said the my biggest problem with this is, is you know, like when you watch a Doctor Who story, like Vengeance and Varos or something like that, and you say all oh, the dialogues are very Shakespearean, you know, because everyone's proclaiming like they're on the stage. Um, and then when you actually have characters in a Doctor Who story quoting Shakespearean dialogue all the time, it's fucking agonising. <laughs> and you're like, nobody would ever talk like this, you know? And she's going, oh, Doth and Pith, you know, and all of this. I'm like, okay, it's very odd. I, I just think I struggle with a lot of audio stories where people just leisurely walk around and you... Like Big Finish gets this reputation of like, oh, it's so much better than the TV show, and like, it's just not for this reason. You would never get this on the TV because you couldn't. It's, as you said, it's meant to be Paul McGann versus the Daleks for the first time, and they almost don't acknowledge each other for a bit. They're just sort of walking around. Oh, will you help us with this? Yeah. Oh, go on up. Give us hand with this. Okay. And it just is so strange. Do you know the bit where where um. She goes, oh, they're Shakespearean scholars, the Daleks. I just wanted Paul McGann to go, fuck's sake, I'm out. All right? <laughs> you people are so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so sorry we've made you watch, uh, listen to two stories you've really despised so far. <laughs> Have you got some uh, facts on this Oh, I do. One? Yeah, I do. Um, Justin Richards is quoted as saying, before he was a Doctor Who fan... He was a Dalek fan, and so this was his first chance to write a proper Dalek story. He was going to do it for BBC Books, but um, they built an entire massive arc on BBC Books around the Daleks, and then Terry Nation Estate took away the rights at the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit unfortunate. Um, the Kitchen Boy character was always there, but it was only at the last minute that he was turned into Shakespeare. Isn't that like a big part of the plot, though? Oh, apparently not. <laughs> like, what if they've just thought that up? Like, what was the actual plot? Don't then? take it up with me. Take it up with Justin Richards. <laughs> um, oh, listen to you. I love this one, the pair of you. Loads of adjustments to the story were made during production just to try and make it make sense. Oh, and surely God. it made less sense. The, with adjustments and then Justin Richards is quoted as saying you're just putting back in all the bits that Garrett Russell made me take out so I think I looked on the wiki for uh, the quiz question that's coming later just to like have a look at the time zones that are visited and there's about 12 and I, when I was listed I thought there was 4 so that just shows how much went over my head. I thought I just went it. back once to... Where and then back again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, no wonder Paul McGowan was getting in the mood. Well, this was the second to last story. I yeah, think, so it's I building think the, up to this. The Nicholas like... Briggs ones were the last ones done. I think I think the Mark Gatiss one was first, then all the Gary Russell ones, then the two Nicholas Briggs mm. ones were done last. Um, and apparently he was only available due to scheduling uh, problems for a single day of the two-day recording. So, And he was in every single scene of that day. And by the end of the day, he was no longer capable of speech. So I don't know if you could tell that in his performance, but he was exhausted by the end of that day because he had to do the whole lot. God bless him. My my favourite quote comes from Justin Richards, uh, who uh, is very magnanimous about this story. He says it's his personal favourite of the ones he's written. Um, And he's not really... uh, I think he's a good novel writer, but I don't really think audio is... I I agree totally. I, I think on the whole, he's very a reliable... Study right. He's never going to blow socks off, but it's never bad. Is it? Is he like the Mark Gatiss from the TV series of? Uh, uh I don't know. I, I, I'm not the biggest Gatiss fan. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's reliable. He's reliable. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin Richards is quoted here as saying, uh, "You can't please everybody. Some people um, dislike things." just for the sake of it. But if you're a writer and you put things in the public domain, you just have to accept that there will be criticism. And I only bring that up because we've had a quote in a previous episode where Nicholas Briggs basically said, anyone who doesn't like my work is wrong. And I feel like that is the better approach. Justin Richards' approach is the better approach to have. Oh, did you see the... um, What was the prequel to Dalek Universe? Oh, um... That one on the one with the fourth doctor. Uh, uh, oh, we got savage, didn't it? Someone wrote a not even that bad review, and he lost his temper on Facebook with this comment. Oh, it's, I it's did. Somewhere, I it's did hear about that, and then that had a worse reaction than the review. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Justin Richard, he wrote quite a bit of Jago and Lightfoot uh, audio. Oh, yeah. oh, of course True. he did, and yeah. some good ones um, as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think by the time you've got onto like series five, six, you realise that it's it's always that sort of standard template of a story. It's never it never structurally doesn't do anything different. It's not like sort it. of Matthew Sweet in there, is it, or someone like that? You know, no, and even like we're talking about Nick Briggs, he will vary it up and try things, even if it doesn't totally come off. Uh, I feel like Justin Richards has probably wrote a hundred Doctor Who stories, and ninety eight of them followed quite a similar pattern do you know this is probably one of the only ones that doesn't that sort of um overly complicated plotting though he writes really clever books and i think in prose it comes across a lot better because you take your time reading a book you know and you sort of puzzle it out as you go along stuff like time zero and things like that i think of him more as a book writer yeah me too yeah i do as well when i was like younger i used to get the new series adventures they were like perfect at my age and the, his, his ones were the ones that I used to really enjoy. Do you remember the Resurrection Casket, which was basically Amazing. like the, the end of Treasure Island, Island, that Disney film, wasn't it? Treasure Planet. Planet. Huh? Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet, yeah. It was like pirates in space, wasn't it? Yeah, I, the end in probably a very generic sci-fi idea, though. But when I was like nine, I was like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've come in to talk about Time of the Daleks. We've ended up talking oh. about... <laughs> what was that book called again? <laughs> the Resurrection. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I, but I think the last one last point really for me is you've got Daleks quoting Shakespeare and yet there's still so much terrible Dalek dialogue 
of just them screaming you will be exterminated about 10 times. I'm not a fan of that. All that whole I opening bit, that. I was just like, oh, just, can oh, we just opening. get to the actual story? All that Dalek oh, stuff. Oh, like, the beginning Whatever, bit, okay, yeah. Daleks are in trouble, whatever. Next, Very come tiresome. on. Yeah. yeah the, the thing was, I remembered that they said, we will await rescue at the end of that scene. <laughs> so I kept waiting for that line. I'm going, oh, come on. It's going to come in a minute. <laughs> oh, but we also have... Uh, a bit of Rassilon quoting Shakespeare at the beginning as well. Oh, yeah. oh, we don't know it's Rassilon yeah. yet. We don't know that voice. And we did hear that voice in Seasons of Fear, I think. He, he, was, he was here. He was, he was narrating the story narrated, of Seasons of Fear too. Yeah, yeah. And then this is now we've there's a bit of something there. But he's not at the end, is he? In the time loop bit. It's a, no. He says the yeah, he's only in the beginning. Be honest, I'm very confused. And that is how a bit confusing. Rassilon is in this entire season. Even it in is. No, it's in no. Seasons of Fear because. In Neverland, that bit where the do- right at the end, where the Doctor's like, "This is what happened." He's explaining it to Rasslon, isn't he? He's like, "Let me tell you the story of everything." Yeah, I was on the right one, and the then Matrix, that's- isn't he? Well, wherever when you know when he's talking to the Doctor right at the end, yeah. he's like, "Let me tell you what's happened," and then that's why you get the Doctor narrating to him in Seasons of Fear. So what, he stood there and narrated the entire yeah, season? They've listened ah. to the series oh. of Big Finish together. At the just end. think, we could have just <laughs> had the Paul McGann narrated version of Embrace the Darkness and Time yeah. of the Daleks. Yeah, that would have been rated better. The, whole lot, the that, short trip. Yeah, that's what he's saying about, he's telling Rassilon about it in Seasons of that Fear. That might have even made sense, that version of oh, Time of the Daleks. Yeah. Okay, shall we go on to the next story? Ooh, yes. Here we go. This I is the can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Predating Martin Bashir's visit, Neverland was released in July 2002. Guest starring Lala Ward, Don Warrington, and Anthony Keach. <laughs> it was written by Alan Barnes, directed by Gary Russell, with music by Nick Briggs. Do you not think, like, he said Dot Smith's name, like, he couldn't believe someone would be called Dot Smith, but he said Anthony Keach's name, like, what a name. Anthony <laughs> Keach! <laughs> it's because... I said Keach. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I write all this down and I cannot read my own writing back. That is the problem. So I'm sort of de- deciphering it as I read. What it sounds like on the episode is you're halfway through a sentence and you're not <laughs> yeah, I know entirely you sure say that. how it's going to end. <laughs> Um, Okay, well, this is the epic finale. Two sort of hour and ten minute episodes. Mm. (laughs) And, I I mean, I had no idea where this was going when I first listened to it. Obviously, that ending. um, Do you know, everyone's keeping their powder dry right now. Everyone's just sort of looking at you like, we're not going to say what we think of it. (laughs) Well, we all like it, You just keep talking. We all like it. (laughs) (laughs) The suspense. I, yeah. Nothing about this should work. Not like the first time I listened to it, I didn't like it. And people would always talk about Neverland, and I just didn't get it. And I, I sort of I can understand why I was like that because listening to it again, nothing about this should work. It's too long. It's stupidly complicated. It's full of lore that should be boring. There's exposition for days. And I just bloody loved it. <laughs> I, I don't know why this time around. I just loved it. It's fucking brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, this is, is up. I don't know if this is as good as Chance of Midnight, but it's just under. This is really, really good. It's doing something totally different to, ta- to Chimes, though, isn't it? Chimes is a proper self contained story. And this is my other thing. Like, for Big Finish that I really, really like, they're usually like 
the smaller character pieces or the weirder out there ones. They're never like the big epics with Time Lords and and stuff. Mm. This one just, I don't know why it works. Don't you think it marries the two though? Here, there are big, and I want to talk about the ideas in this one. There are massive, like mind-expanding ideas in this, but it never forgets to have a heart. It's always focused on Charlie and the Doctor and Charlie's relationships. So... There's like some human interest as well. It's a thing that's absolutely missing in every Nick Briggs script is we care about the people involved. So so there's a reason to keep listening. Well, we've had all of these clues peppered throughout the whole like last two series, really, since Storm Warning. So it's got a lot to try and wrap up and explain. And that first episode is a lot of just explanation. And yeah, mm. it shouldn't work, but it does. It, I, I wasn't bored by this. It wasn't just... A, you know the time lordy stuff people just talking about time lordy stuff but it, it wasn't it was all this stuff that you've been invested in throughout the, the season with charlie and the web of time and they reference all of that stuff it does actually you want to know what happens and it, it sort of builds up the anticipation and the it's satisfying yeah and i think after all the build-up that's a fucking miracle yeah you know i was genuinely got so like in the chunks that i was listening to it, it if I wasn't listening to it, I was genuinely gagging to hear what happened, even though I know I've listened to it before and I know this stuff. I was just really soaked up in it. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> I, uh, the first half an hour, so we listened to the first episode on the beach, right? And it was bloody freezing. It was absolutely freezing. But there's freezing. no way I was leaving the beach until <laughs> that first like, was over. Can we go? <laughs> and I thought the first half an hour, the, all the bits, that fantastic pre-credit sequence with the Matrix and the sound design in that was phenomenal. I, I was like, I don't know who's done this. There's a diseased mind that's put this together, but it sounds amazing. You've got the war TARDISes around um, the Doctor's TARDIS, that wonderful scene where um, the Doctor's trying to send off Charlie to the greatest <laughs> shindig in the galaxy. The year-long party. Mm. <laughs> and then the agency that she has where she turns around and says, no, I'm taking responsibility for this. We're going to Gallifrey. We're going to see the Time Lords. So I'm not going to do it again. Um... All of that, all of that characterization and all of that, it just felt huge. It felt like a, a proper season finale. Projection never changes. The web of time in shreds, time collapsing in on itself, the fall of Gallifrey, the corruption of the oldest civilization. Chaos and anarchy loosed upon us all, a new order, a twisted one. Yes, I saw it. I saw what might happen to Gallifrey, to, to her leaders. But if this vision is supposed to make me recant, to make me see the folly of my choices in the past, to approve the unmaking of a single life for the sake of order, Romana, I won't. The choice is yours. Go back in time, erase my deeds. The last few months of my life blast me from the whole of history, even. Maybe I made a mistake, taking Charlie with me, but I stand by my mistakes and by my promises, too. If you destroy Charlie, rightly or wrongly, then I won't let you do it with a clean conscience. There has to be another way. Yeah, it, it really did in a way that I just don't think many, many stories on Big Finish do. And considering you've got all these box sets and all these like... They try, you know, don't they? They do try. Yeah, they, they try. And so, the, the occasional one, like Day of the Master in Ravenous does, did do it well. Um, but like, yeah, this was... We just sensational, but it shouldn't. Not but it's still, it's still the few characters you got: Romana and Vansell and the Doctor. You know, uh, 
a lot of that first episode just standing there explaining. It's not going way over the top like nowadays, I think, you'd have all the epic orchestral action and all that. There's not that much action in that whole first episode. No. There's not and there's that sequence with the Matrix and the Roman yeah. and the Daleks and stuff. That's that's really good. But it's it it just takes its time. And no, it didn't feel like I was sitting there for like an hour and ten minutes in that. It oh, just I thought the flew first, by the first so quickly. By. I do feel the second half second maybe feels a little, a little bit, but still there's still plenty in there. The only bit that dipped for me in the second half is when Romana and the Doctor get back on the ship and and it just takes like 20-odd minutes for her to sort of get in the Matrix. And that was the only bit where... So when they were asking like, about and trying to pretend they were just getting on with repairing it. Yeah, yeah. That, but, that was the only bit for me. Their chemistry is great, isn't it? Paul yeah, McGann and Lala Wars. Brilliant, yeah. Mm. And you can Fantastic. see why she she then obviously goes on for the with the Gallifrey series. This is yeah. where that idea starts, I think. And you can tell that's that's going to be... A, a it, success. If you'd have mooted the Gallifrey series pre Neverland, I'd have said, "Oh, how no, boring!" Don't no, no. After this internet, I'm like, "Oh my god, this could work." You know, like, mm. do you know what? Like, I think so much Time Lord stuff nowadays is just, oh, oh like arrogant arsehole. Um, is like hates the Doctor's way of life, stickler for reals. It wasn't like they were. They were still time lords, but the even like Vansell, Ramona, they're not like that. They they've got a bit more intelligence. They're a bit uh, more three dimensional than what you get all the time in current Big Finish, which is a one dimensional bad guy time lord. Yeah, even like uh, the isn't the time lord stuff in like Dark Eyes not of not particularly yeah. memorable. Your happy go lucky lifestyle yeah. doctor. But is we've all had we've that, met Vansell was in the Sirens of Time. Yeah, and I think he's in bastard. the apocalypse element as well. So it's nice you've still got you've got Big Finish's own continuity sort of coming through as well in in this. Oh, I love that. Yeah, bit. I've got to say, I think it really helped me this time around knowing about the apocalypse element, even though it's not that much of a thing. I think just the the general backstory really helped for mm. Neverland. Mm. And speaking of Vansell, oh, okay, goodness sake. <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, right. we were talking about Vansell, and I was like. What's he call him when it when nosebone nosebone or something? And then the the doctor says, "Well, I like to call him or toast rack." And I was like, "That isn't that really rude? Isn't that like he thinks that's, that's a sexual reference?" No, yeah, I think it is, isn't it? <laughs> and then he goes, hey, "Look at this." He pulls up the what's that thing is. called the urban, it's dictionary. urban dictionary. It's some dreadful gay sexual reference. <laughs> oh, the doctor, you it filth is. bag. It is. That always stuck out in my mind. Why is he calling him Toast Rack? <laughs> what would a gay man do for it no, to be called Toast Rack? <laughs> <laughs> that even boggles my mind. I was like, I can't believe you said say, that. What do you not know? I can't, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't believe the doctor said that to him. That was so rude. <laughs> I think so. I'm going to try and get this back on track here. <laughs> Disgusting, honestly. <laughs> Why invite you along? <laughs> there are three like magnificent central performances in this, and I'm going to go in reverse order. I think you've got Lala Ward, who is brilliantly bossy, and she makes a great Lord President, and has brilliant chemistry with Paul McGann. Then I think you've got some of the best some of the best ever writing for Paul McGann's Doctor because he's desperate in this story and seeing the Doctor sort of improvise when he's desperate is really interesting but he's really funny as well he's got like lots of witty lines in this but yeah. b- best of all 
India Fisher, who has to play a dual role of the villain and Charlie. And she gets huge, long monologues that she has to deliver, tons of exposition. I mean, I can't remember a time where a companion had this much focus in a story. And I bet she wasn't grumpy at the end of recording. <laughs> yeah. No, I bet she, she loved She's it. genuinely faultless in this. And I think I, I liked her the first time around, but not like loved her. But I mean, this time around, I've talked to her so much more. Really, her entire character and everything's just played so well. Like, I, I genuinely I, think the bit at the end where she says, Doctor, I love you, but you've got to kill me. Like, that's so pat. It could be so pony. Mm. And it's really touching just because we've come to love that relationship and their performances together. And you just don't want it to end. No. no. I, I think Charlie is still the best Eighth Doctor companion. I don't. Oh, I, she's still my favourite. You, I know you probably don't. <laughs> oh, after, agree, honestly, beforehand, but... I wouldn't have said that. I, I, even though she's not really in it much, I really do like Molly from Dark Eyes, which is not <laughs> yeah, a popular, no. not a popular choice at all. Um, no, the Doctor. Oh god, the Daddy Box. <laughs> oh. I like. I like Lucy Miller. No, see, I don't she's like. My I'm not. I, I do. After listening to these, Charlie's yeah, the best. I think. Um, <laughs> I'm not huge. I'm not huge on Lucy Miller. Um, Neither see. No. Yeah. Sheridan Smith, though. Yes, yeah, she's she's good. She's a good actress, but yes, yeah, and she's good. She's she's better than Helen. Oh yeah, and she's much better than Racky Thakra as Bliss. See, I'm a bit torn on Bliss. I think she is very sort of different and. She's got a different energy, and that's quite exciting to listen to. But there's just no writing there for her at all. She's just lost in these time war stories. That yeah. Well, and they can't really that. use her anymore, can they? She's gone off to do other things now. Yeah, that's why movies and stuff. Introduce cat. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <laughs> Whereas with Liv, yeah. I think yeah. Nicola Walker's a brilliant actress, but she really underplays that role. I think sometimes she's really moving and stuff. What's the one with the phone calls? Absent friends. Yeah, mm. like she could be really fantastic in these mm. things. But a bit the more I've muted. To her, the more I've, I've liked her, if I'm honest. But they've just been here for too long. You know, there's, there, there is just too much of, well, I'll say a good thing. There's too much of just a, a, a normal thing. Um, what this has to do with Neverland, I've no well, idea. Going back to that, well, <laughs> yeah, no, no, this is Neville. wrapping up Charlie's arc. And you, I mean, at the time, you don't know is this the end of Charlie? What's going to happen? This is all to be discovered isn't it so you don't know where this is going when you if you're first listening to this yeah so it's very and, exciting you know so the, the i mean that's, that's there, what i was thinking i was thinking what was this like for you listening oh, the very epic. first time because yeah like by the end you've got sort of you know it the weather time thing is being resolved at a great personal cost you've got You've had two and a half hours of this, and then you know after this you're getting three and a half hours of, of another massive. <laughs> well, but you don't know. I mean, this was this Neverland came out, and then there wasn't Zagreus wasn't out for like eighteen months after that yeah. cliffhanger as well. In a way, <laughs> so I think all that's that time to move, isn't it? To, to make what people was wait. Your reaction to the cliffhanger at the time, though, he obviously slaps Charlie. And yeah, then, I, I was like, what? I, I, and then he says, ah, you know. I, I, I'm the nursery rhyme. I'm going to take all it's that. It's that last time. word when he goes, Zagreus! It's like, I, I think I had goosies. And then there's that, like, 
bit. Yeah. I always think that it's gonna the music's gonna come in literally after it says the grace, and there's like a few moments, just a little bit of a a noise first, and then it kicks in. And you're like, what? And I was like, is there gonna be something after the credits? Is there anything else? And I, I I wasn't expecting that to happen at the time. I thought it would just get all wrapped up, and we would end up where, you know, happily. We're off for more adventures or something. I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting there to be well, another cliffhanger we there. We wish that was what happened. We ended yeah. up in a fucking dark but, and that whole That whole choice to me screams confidence. You've got you got this massive, big, epic story here. And then at the end of that, it's like, no, we've not even heard where this is going yet. That must have been so exciting. It, I mean, no, it really, really was. I, I, think... I just went, I've gone straight into Zagreus since this. There was no way I couldn't listen. <laughs> no, that's a, and a great, but, I'm, yeah, and Zagreus. When you and yeah, just went getting that and thinking, right, where is this going to go now? And yeah, you I open up, wait. you open up the CD as Zagreus, and there's a picture of John Pertwee in there. And you're like, what's going on here? <laughs> Are you sure it's John Pertwee? <laughs> then, I can't hear it. Well, yeah, and then that's a whole other thing. Uh, um, and then Charlie is the is the main character in Zagreus for me. You follow her story through and all of her adventures I, and I think, she is the she or she was at that time the main like companion t- there going TV, into the 40th anniversary between doctor who coming off the air and the time of neverland tv had come on in leaps and bounds and arc based seasons with big climactic finales and massive cliffhangers were all it was all the rage but doctor who had never done that before and this was doctor who's first stab at doing that and it was just mm. fucking epic Unfortunately, I don't think from Neverland to Zagreus we've ever gone off a cliff. We've never <laughs> gone to such a zenith and then fallen such a height. I mean, I think a lot of people, and I seem to remember at the time there was a lot of talk, people bought, they were so excited for Zagreus after the strength of Neverland and that ending, and they abandoned Big Finish altogether and went, oh, what is this shit? Obviously, you, you'll discuss it and everything you get there. But I'm two hours in, and it's standing up a lot better on a re-listen. I mean, in the, in the exact same way that Neverland did. You entice me. I think this <laughs> is all right. I mean, I wouldn't probably do it all in one go. I would have a, a bit of a break in between each episode, but I, I don't know. To Grace is all right, I think. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see when you re-listen. Mm. Do you know what the savviest move was, I thought, in this? Because I was, on first watch, I was thinking, oh, you know, Charlie survived the R101 and she was this pivotal person in history and that's why time's out of wonk. And I thought the best idea in a story full of great ideas was, no, they say Charlie was utterly irrelevant. Charlie as a person, she is just a person. And the, just the, the fact that she survived, that's how they got through into this universe. I thought that was a much better way of, of ending that story than her, I don't know, she was going to go on to be president of the earth and create, you know. Yeah. I no, I really like that because at the beginning I was like, but why? Like the doctor saves people all the time. So why is he? But yeah, it's just, they've just used that. It could have been anyone who's used that as a breach to get through. Uh, I think what I really, really enjoyed, especially in part one, was just the whole traveling to Neverland bit. It just, it really sounded like they were on a proper adventure. They were pioneers going out to this really barren, out there world. Because it's on audio as well, it's, it's, your visuals is just, I mean, for me, it was all like white and like dust going across. And, and then, you you know, there was it was just that 
really ethereal and otherworldly. And I just really bought into it. The whole anti-time thing. I bought into the whole thing. And the idea of the like the bits of the TARDIS or the, yeah. the sort of uh, yeah. that is an yeah. What that an is idea. a great idea. But Alan Barnes is a comic strip writer, so he's used to thinking with big visuals. And I think he does bring that. Even later on when I think he's off the boil, he's still doing sort of big visual ideas like that. Mm. You know, it's really interesting because I you know, we're all listening to these stories, but we're seeing kind of completely different. It's so personal to each person. Mm. Because I was seeing um, a sort of uh, thunder-swept landscape with all these big black shards of glass, because they were saying it was like a forest of spikes. Mm. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. What did you see? Yeah, I was seeing sort of, sort of grey with spikes... Um, a bit of a blue haze, like on the blue of the cover as yeah, well. Yeah, I think it's the cover that's made me <laughs> think, like, the white yeah. sort of... That's a good cover as well, isn't it? They've come on. Yeah, they yeah. could be... I mean, it might be another reason why this, <laughs> they're fondly remembered. The covers are brilliant for all these stories. Yeah. And, of course, you get the wonderful moment at the end where the Doctor gets to sacrifice himself, which I just I always love it when he does that. He gets a big speech. Mm. Yeah, they're just really good. Um, and we have Don Warrington as Rassilon yeah. coming in. What do you think of him? Yeah, uh, I I actually really really like his his Rassilon. Uh, I was so the cliff the cliffhanger is oh Rassilon's back. He's like hologram just, turns up or something, doesn't it? And I didn't remember that. I didn't remember if he if he was alive or not or what was going on. So the twist that it's not actually his coffin, but anti time. Really, that really worked. Really enjoyed that. Uh, I think, I mean, possible spoilers for the future of of where it goes. But I was more like, oh my god, Rassilon's nice because <laughs> 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 I swear he doesn't end up nice. Because originally, I, I dropped in a, the last episode. Originally, Christopher Lee was approached. To play oh, it, and apparently Christopher Lee's agent laughed Gary Russell out of the office <laughs> and said, "Well, hey, you got to try these things." I mean, Christopher Lee's done some pretty shit work. Don't turn your nose up at Doctor Who, mate. But he's no. certainly better than uh, Mumra, the Ever Living, that turned up in Hell Bent. Do you remember? Yeah, so oh, well, in this, wrestling. I with the hologram, I imagine him looking like the head in the Five Doctors. <laughs> I imagine him looking I just, like I that. Just imagine I imagine Don, Don Warrington. No, I don't yeah. imagine Don Warrington. I imagine the Five Doctors guy. <laughs> I think he's got such a brilliant voice for Rassilon. Yeah, it, it, it works for me. And like Paul McGann, it's a very sort of seductive mm. voice, isn't it? It's really easy on the ear. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show me your hands. <laughs> I mean, what what else can you say about this? It. I think it's one of those stories that kind of has got it all. Yeah. It's, it, it's got uh, all the big stuff. It's got all the small stuff. It's got great performances. Uh, a second, just to mention the sound design on this. Oh, <laughs> that's so good. Really, really good. It's, it's Alistair Locke, who I constantly have a hard-on for on this thing. Every time Alistair Locke, he does the one Doctor, you're in for a treat listening to that. He's done a lot up until this point, hasn't he? Some of the best he? ones as yeah. well, hasn't he? Yeah. Like, Alistair I think Briggsy is very another, good. It was another element of being able to buy into the world just because the sound design was brilliant. Mm. Like, are we at a point now with Big Finish where the sound design is always good? Uh, it's more consistent, I, I was, isn't it? I think yeah. the, the last time I heard anything where I was like, oh, God, was the Mags trilogy. I think some of those... Well, the only really... bad bit of sound design 
that I can think of next is Zagreus and the John Pertwee stuff, which is, oh, yeah. you cannot hear what he's saying at all. No, <laughs> so I did <didn't> that. <laughs> I think the big finish now, like, everything's a bit more consistent, isn't it? So nothing particularly stands out. The but story's it's too, a bit more... But it's more I think we've said this before, it's just so epic now. All that orchestral yeah. stuff is too much. Whereas even in this, you've got the right balance where it's yeah, it's I, still sort of small enough and contained enough to enjoy. I don't know, it's just too... It's it's trying to be a big new series soundtrack every single time. Big epic now, well, these, and I think that's too I, much. But I think Briggs, who I does prefer the music these earlier ones. He underplays the music mm. in some of these scenes. And the bit where she's talking about the Doctor being Peter Pan and the bit at the end yeah. where they say, yeah, I love you to each other, mm. the music really comes down. Yeah, yeah. It's not... But nowadays that wouldn't be the case. I think it would be this huge... Yeah. Too it's the much. same with the, with the writing, isn't it? And just the, the general ideas. It's all epic and mm. the universe all the time. So um, it's literally like we get three releases a week with yeah. almost the end of the universe, isn't it? But yeah, like yeah. when they're like so when they're exploring, it's just those few characters. It's like Romana the Doctor and those like two guards and that's it. Where I don't think that would be I think nowadays no. you'd have the full fleet and an army and a, I don't know, they bring everybody and it'll be this yeah. huge thing. Whereas actually you just got these few characters and you I can think- just so you were talking on the Isle of Scorpion one about the debate, you know, between if you bring Arrowman in, then does it take away from the TV series and does it matter that, oh, like, please you've got all these, chip in. Yeah, because you've got all these, um, like, new stories. We always probably want new stories, but does it matter it takes away? And my, my answer is, like, no. You'd always rather have more. But, like, I do, I do enjoy them more if they can sit in my head well as part of the franchise. There's a lot of big finish that to me it just doesn't. It's just a bonus thing, but it never happened. That's it's not something I consciously think about. It's just rationalised in the brain like that. Anything like the big epics, um, that you know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But like, you know, when you the case, like right now, the once and future thing, it's like. Nah, didn't happen. Like, <laughs> of, course, of course, I want to hear it. I want that story. That's great, but it's just a bonus thing. But this is more enjoyable because this happens in my head. This is where the Eighth Doctor goes. And I think Big Fish are just going to struggle with that more and more as time goes on. Is there a difference between uh, a good story that didn't happen and a bad story that you wish didn't happen? No, the bad stories are usually enjoyable, aren't they? In a, in a weird way. There's there's very few big finishes that are. So, like, we've done 30 odd main ranges now, and there's only been maybe two where I've said, that's so boring. I just couldn't listen to that again. Yeah. I mean, there are, they do exist, and it's the boring ones that really, really pain you because the. Dream time. Oh, yeah, I've never heard that one. <laughs> that's very boring. That's terrible. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You've got. Roof of the World coming up with Peter Davidson. Oh, God, and... that's awful, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that remember that. Roof of the World, though, Erin um, gets, I don't know, something about her father or something? Yeah. Or... Oh, does she die? Up on the... Well, they think she's dead? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then she's like, is she some yeah. kind of ghost thing? Like, oh, the fellow who wrote that's in prison, you know. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yeah. Well, no, anyway. <laughs> Would you like to hear some fascinating Not facts about Neverland? Yes. yes we've been going 25 minutes right. about this one now. With a few diversions, of course. It is the epic, though, isn't it? Uh, deserves it. Uh, so, there is one person who is damning Neverland with faint praise. 
and that is Alan Barnes himself, Ooh. who is quoted as saying, it needs a damn good prune, which is what you said, it's too long. Um, Big Finish's weakness is, is that there's no read-through and no rehearsal. Uh, even if it had just been the night before, I could have ironed out the rough patches and streamlined the story. Yeah, so, but can't you, I wouldn't lose much though. But can't you edit that after they've recorded it all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no, we've recorded it. It's going in. Like, it's not too late. We must edit like finish <laughs> big. <laughs> it's all going in. Yeah. Um, listen to this. You won't believe it. You two are disgusting. What has happened to you two? Honestly, taste the rack. <laughs> At least wait until we press stop. Um, apparently, Omega was considered to be included in this. Um, in a sequence in Gallifrey's Dark Times, which was excised completely. And I think that's probably for the best. I, d- I don't think it would have took anything away or more. Do you know what I mean? Like, the Daleks are in it for a little bit as a Matrix thing. It would have just been like that, wouldn't it? So. Alan Barnes uh, wrote a comic strip called The Final Chapter for Doctor Who magazine, which was about Rassilon and Gallifrey's past, a story, he says, that was so bad... He didn't write any fiction for a year. <laughs> he refused to let him write for 12 months. He said it was so awful. And with Neverland, he wanted to lean into Time Lord Law and redeem himself. He calls it an exorcism. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he did. And he succeeded. It does really well. Who starts writing the Gallifrey series? Is that Alan Barnes? He writes some. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Imperiatrix is mentioned in this, and that's a big thing that comes into... Um, mm. The Gallifrey series. Well, yeah, Alan Barnes. You said he was a, an ideas man. I totally agree with that. I don't. There's never never been an Alan Barnes big finished audio where it's been boring. It might be a bit confusing or a bit messy or something, but you're always quite interested. It always has a big grand idea in it. But then remember, you haven't heard any of those Seventh Doctor ones yet. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he, did, he did write um, the what was that Mags one and an alien werewolf in London. No, well he's he, Daleks Among Us. Oh, he's script dreary. editor for the last however many years. No, he's script editor for about fifteen years. Fifteen, yeah, there you go. What you That's should be is script editor for about five years. But anyway. he, was, he, he does because he's does like he's done Stormwarden and he does the girl he never but, was. Well, like, he can do absolute bangers. Yeah. But I think if you've written that many stories, then the chances are there's going to be some dreck in there as well. Is um, it where, where does his bad stuff rate to like Nick Briggs's bad bad stuff? Who's, oh, who's who's worse at bad stuff? Oh no, I think Barnes is a much better. Barnes's highs are way higher than Briggs's highs. I think. Um, what about his lows? About on par. Or maybe Barnes is fifty fifty if Briggs is seventy thirty. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And John Dorney is 100%. 100%. <laughs> but mind you, I think Jonathan Morris is not far behind, given how many stories he's done. Yeah, you're a bigger fan than me with Jonathan Morris, I think. Oh, I he's he's slightly more Justin Richards-y for me in the way that... <gasps> like, the, the, no, not... Just... He's, better than, he's better than Justin Richards, but like the, the patterns are the same. I don't think he really does much, that much different. He has a lot about ghosts. A lot of his stories are about ghosts. Mm. <laughs> we should have read Neverland then, shouldn't we? <laughs> uh, the very last quote I've got is from Alan Barnes, who says that the biggest influence for this story was Isabella, his daughter, who died the day she was born. 
Um, And he says, that's what Neverland was about, dying young and how we remember those lost before their time. He's quoted as saying, I wasn't writing about Isabella directly, but I was writing about my grief and dealing with my anger. And do you know what? I think it's one of his most heartfelt scripts, this one. I I can hear it in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you can pour some a bad experience like that into your work, oh, that's what most artists do, isn't it? Yeah, and it is like lost spirits, lost souls. Mm. Mm. Well, but obviously, I wouldn't recommend to listen to this just on its own. I think you do need to have some this, of the earliest stories. This is not a jumping season. on point, folks. This is not. No, <laughs> this is not the perfect jumping on point at all. I am really happy that it could work because you invited me on to talk about Invaders, Chimes and Seasons. I'm really happy it worked out this way around because I, I sort of know about them three and I don't think anything would have changed, whereas this has just made me really like Charlie, really like the finale and... I've gone straight into Sagrius. <laughs> <laughs> no, then you're going to go into the Divergent universe. In fact, keep going. I want to hear what you think. Yeah, no, I actually might. I definitely want to do skirts so after it because oh, that is one of my all-time favourites. That is up there. <laughs> you not heard that? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I have. I love that one. Oh, oh my god! But I, I think I might just carry on straight for well until. Still, I hit a bad one. Talk about well, it. Goes to Free to the Crowburn, and then Free it's the just Crowburn. like that's it, isn't it? <laughs> I thinking it was all right. Goodbye, Lida, oh, my, oh my dear. God, all the Lida <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do when we get to there. We're gonna do a tally of how many times he has a flashback about killing. What, it's just like every story. What's after Creed of the Crowburn? Uh, uh, natural, natural history, history of fear. fear. That's a banger. That is. See, I didn't didn't get that at all first time around. But that that so that one is different to Time of the Daleks in a way. That I thought. I'll definitely re-listen to that in the future and I'll get it and it'll be good. Time the Daleks just doesn't have that to it. And then you've got the Twilight Kingdom. So it's a really sort of up and down. It's a bit like McGann's first season. It's really up and down. But the highs are high and the lows are cavernous. Mm, yeah. And then the, you go, and then it carries on, doesn't it? And then Paul McGann doesn't get much happier, does he? Wow. As it goes on. Yeah, apparently, it was not a good point in his life at the time either. So uh, <laughs> you can hear it as well in the stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's next? What are we doing next? Well, I you, totally forgot. I'm sorry, Luke. You're going to have to listen to a little bit of this now. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, well, I was going to do the chronology bit, but there's, you, it's really easy. Oh, I love the chronology. Yeah. Well, it's like. The, oh, yeah, it's done. It's pretty much <laughs> done, but um, let's go into it anyway. got three stories that follow on after each other and they follow on from the previous three so there's literally not much else to say that this is the this is the season so invaders from mars chimes of midnight seasons of fear what's it called again embrace the darkness time of the daleks and neverland that is our season that literally took you 15 seconds well well, we might get stories that are slotted in between at some point because Mm. there's that new box set the further adventures of Charlie Pollard, Adventure X. Featuring the sequel to Sword of Orion, Heart oh, of Orion. everybody was we waiting for. <laughs> we waited 10 years for that or however long, of course. Uh, so that's got to go somewhere. And there's stuff like Living Legend, the freebie one. Oh, that well. one in classic Doctor's New Monsters? Yes, mm. yeah, because any e- extra Eighth Doctor and Charlie stories have to fit before Neverland and all of this stuff is resolved because otherwise we go into the Divergent Universe 
and then after careers, it's the girl who never was. Do you so realise what they're doing? We've got, but we've got to sort of fit them in without ruining the story arc, really. So you don't want too many in there, do you? Ooh, we've just been talking about them squeezing stories in between a tiny little gap. Now they're squeezing things in their own bloody gaps. <laughs> it was, they are, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because Big Finish will never end. <laughs> that, that, this, that suffers in itself, though, doesn't it? Because they can't ever do anything that big in that box set because the series has always got to be bigger you know, around it. So we, you know the outcome of those characters. So yeah, It's just sort of fun mm. adventures, but... There's no stakes. Which is why they've got to invent a new character for the Eighth Doctor, pre-Charlie. Oh, <laughs> Coming out soon, Audacity. <laughs> the Audacity. <laughs> and that is Jay Griffiths mm. from Bugs, you know, who I absolutely loved that show when I was in the 90s. She's brilliant. And she's, yeah. well, she's in the Zygon two part. She, she gets is. killed, doesn't she? Yeah. That actress, yeah. What a waste. What a mm. waste. Yeah, anyway, and, and that is the chronology done. Now. I'm so used to listening to you go on for about five minutes well, we're still, about where you're going to slip things we're in. We're still so early on. Pardon the pun. <laughs> it's one of the so things that on. really made me fall for you in the first right. place was listening to all this chronology stuff because I don't really have much interest in it. I'm assuming you do though, Luke. Yeah, I do quite like it. Yeah, I think it's it's nice to know someone's putting the effort in. <laughs> <laughs> do you like to know where things are squeezed in? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it comes to Paul McGaz. <laughs> Get in line, mate. <laughs> well, if you'll indulge me, let's head back into... By the way, can I ask you a question? Did you ever use Doc Oho Reviews website? I did. I, I, I read Doc Oho's before, before knowing it was you. So did I'm you? still not... I'm still not totally convinced it is you. Revisiting you know, Nomi's a fucking drama queen, isn't he? Yeah, I think it was uh, when I was listening to Jago and Lightfoot's was maybe the first time I stumbled on. So it would only have been like a year beforehand. That, so like 2020, something like that. Um, and I used to read and disagree with everything you said about Jago oh, and Lightfoot. Yes, great. <laughs> no, I didn't. You should have known we were going to have some great commentaries coming up after that then. <laughs> um, well, it's Doc Ho, isn't it? Hey ho, hey ho. Hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so time with the Daleks. Uh, I've only done a couple of quotes for each. I don't want to take your time up too much. Um, Doc Oho says, Although I'm a huge fan of Shakespeare... What bullshit? I've never been... A- <laughs> what the Look at Doc Oho trying to sound like he's really literate. What's your favourite really play, then? What's your favourite? Oh, I do like uh, Taming of the Shrew, actually. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I know that one, actually. Oh, yeah. That's a writer. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm a huge fan of Shakespeare, <laughs> I don't think this scenario is even remotely feasible says Doc Oho. And when the Doctor gushes about Shakespeare, he is merely a Mary Sue for Justin Richards. And I still think that's true. When that Doctor has a speech about Shakespeare, that's just Justin Richards talking. I thought it was weird that, like, you've got this story about Shakespeare, but it's quite specific, isn't it? They're not like the usual Shakespeare quotes that people would actually know. They're, like, quite in that you'd have to really like Shakespeare to get the quotes. Oh, it's quite nice to hear Don Warrington say, cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war. I don't know why I started with Time of the Daleks. I should have started with Embrace oh, yeah, the Darkness. Embrace the Darkness. You yeah. Idiot around this. Time travel. Embrace <laughs> the Darkness. Well, time travel, you were reading me before we met. It's very Stephen Moffat. 
Uh, Embrace the darkness. It's especially annoying that after a climactic ending, Briggs reveals there was absolutely no danger whatsoever. <laughs> and I think we can all agree with that. It's very annoying. What, what do you, oh, yeah, because you, you think the same about Hyde, don't you, on TV? Uh, You're not a big fan of the, the fact the ending is that there wasn't any danger, really. I've been beaten into submission with Hyde because his greatest fans were sitting right next to me. It is, oh, it is really good. Yeah. But isn't it? Have I just imagined this? But the bit at the end, doesn't it like this thing come out of a a porthole, a pothole or something, and be like, "Oh, it's just us." Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. And isn't there a, a bit like the lid's coming off of something, well. and it's like, "Hello." No, yeah. I've just imagined that. <laughs> <laughs> They're on a scanner screen. The They're Soler- on a spaceship. No, the Soler- the yeah. Solarian or the Solarian. Yeah. We've been looking for He's like, historical Hello. artifacts. Isn't he? <laughs> In my yeah. head, he opened up a thing and went, Hello. What I said about audio, we're all seeing something different. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Whack them all. And then Doc Ho also said, This is still the humble beginning stage for Nick Briggs. So clearly, he thought he went on to greater things. Creatures of Beauty did a lot of heavy lifting by the sounds of it. They really did. I think I'll give that a 10 out of 10. Yeah, but is that the only reason because it's just not in the linear order? Did he <laughs> no, just like write the script no, and drop no, it on I the floor? I think and it just... is a brilliant story. <laughs> if anyone dared to venture into the ravages that Nick Briggs did recently, that was a non-linear story yeah. over three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've sworn quite a lot on this one. I thought I'd better hold back that one. Three fucking hours. There you go. And oh, it was bloody tedious. No, uh, no. no, no. Creature, Creature of Beauty was dramatically satisfying. Who has a, is it? Nissa got. She's got a knife. No. Yeah. Does Nissa have a knife? Someone's got a knife. That's what I remember. Yeah. yeah she's horrible. Scalpel Someone's knife, like yeah. she's got a knife. That's what that's I remember. A great story. I re-listened to Ravages and liked it a lot more when I realized well, when I could did. figure out what was going on. <laughs> but it is very um, exposition of nothing. I've not got And then at the end, he's just like, you're a nerd. Oh, it's so God. weird. And what was the villain's name in that? Margot. You can't have yeah. a villain called Margot. <laughs> for God's sakes. <laughs> I kept seeing her from The Good Life. <laughs> um, and sorry, when it comes to Neverland, Docoho says, I can't remember a companion. Oh, I said this today. I can't remember a companion ever being given this much focus. And India Fisher holds the story together beautifully. Um, and then there's a bit of a long quote here. Neverland is a story with a wealth of mind-expanding ideas at its disposal, but whilst it's thrilling you with its possibilities, it never forgets to have a heart. Ah. Mm. That's true. Very well put, Doc Oho. Thank you. Mm. Oh, sorry. Yes, he says thank you. <laughs> it's just reminded me, I'm, I want them to bring out Charlie Pollard Series 3. I hope they get around to doing that. Mm. I think I never, she's still I, I've got... I've never read her on her own. I think she's good on her own. They should do more for India Fisher, I think. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm, I'm more in demand them. for Luke Malloy uh, podcast reviews of Big Finish stories mm. than I am for the further adventures of... I've been looking back. They're fabulous. I, yeah, one last point on Neverland, I've just remembered. I really liked the, the, the way they resolved the Web of Time thing of the, like, the Doctor saved the... So, like the Weber Tower was unraveling, but then the Doctor sacrificed himself, so the Weber Tower was fixed again, so they just can't do anything about her. Like, it was a nice little loop where it all came in. Yeah. Do you know, I've got a quick question before we go on to the quiz. Do you think Charlie went on too long? No, because I think her ending really works. What, the ending with Colin Baker's Doctor? Oh, no. Yeah, the girl so who never mate, was. 
I never got there. But with Paul McGann, I think that's for a companion as big as her and as a companion that works as well as her. Um, I think the girl who never was is a good that's end great. place. I don't think it's her that goes on too long. I think maybe the Divergent universe goes on a bit mm. too long and stuff, but not necessarily her. Mm. But I think, think you've got like three chunks. You've got that early Charlie, season one and two, which I think is brilliant. And then you've got mid Charlie which is like Divergent Universe, which is iffy. Then you've got a great little run, or mix, but kind of good, after she comes back into our universe. Terra Firma. Oh, I love Terra Firma. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Great. But then you've got Scaredy Cat as well, oh. which is terrible. <laughs> and what was that one? Something Inside, which is very boring. Oh, yeah, with the cube. And then she's got her run with Colin Baker, which I think is some of her best stuff. Yeah, I need to get there. I do need mm. to get there. Hmm. You didn't ask that question. What did you ask? Did Charlie Pollock go on too long? Um, no. Well, that's a because, very No, because answer. I'm always for more Charlie. No, because if you, like, I think you know deep down if someone's gone off for too long. If you ask me, have Liv and Helen gone off for too long? It's an instant yes. Mm. Yeah. Whereas Charlie, I never had that feeling where it's like, yeah, I'm a bit done with you now. <laughs> but I they, didn't have it with Lucy either. But I think they, Lucy went at the perfect time. Oh, I do too. And Evelyn had the perfect amount of stories. She had about 25 stories. It was a good run. But the thing is, though, I think it's n- not always the character. It's Big Finish just like working with people. Yeah. Therefore, mm. they find enough excuses. Like Nicola Walker. I think they just like yeah, yeah. working with her. Like um, Philip Olivia. And Philip... Al- God, yeah, so Hex... Mighty, they should have got rid I mean, of him like, earlier. Spoiler... Well, no, spoilers, not spoilers. He sort of leaves and he has a great ending and then they just bring him back straight away and carry on and there's no point yeah. it just completely destroys the great ending he had just for no reason he just carries on yeah. and you're like that's too long and okay Maggie Stables she died so that's why there's only like yeah, she could have okay. like oh, cool. that's the only way out but that's the only way and um, Sheridan Smith is just probably too busy so otherwise she probably would have carried on as well so actually those two examples but with Maggie where Stables, it's just enough is not <laughs> it's actually really famous or yeah, 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 basically. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll just keep using them. And India Fisher, I don't know. Well, because Paul McGann was doing the other stuff, and Colin Baker had plenty of companions. I this, well, she had her own series, but I'm sure they they will bring her back again, or they'll do more stuff with her. Um, so they, when they can let them go, or when when it's, it fits the story to let them go, I just think they just big finish are just like. Let's just keep working with them. It doesn't matter. Let's just carry on beyond what's, there. What's really odd is they did bring Sheridan Smith back as well, and they called it the further adventure of Lucy yeah. Miller one. Yeah, so yeah. it's definitely uh, a plan just, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they um, with Maggie Stables, they were savvy enough. I guess I don't know if they knew she was ill, but they gave her leaving story, mm. and then they kept doing stories with her that was within her run that mm. led up to her leaving story. I think they should do that with a lot of them, though. Actually, yeah. <laughs> that, I, I, especially I, the They should look. Yeah, all of those companions that just don't, especially all the Colin Baker ones. That he's had loads like Flip and Constance. They should do all their leaving stories as soon as possible, and then go back <laughs> and fill them in. Yeah, and then it doesn't matter. Then we've got a nice continuity rather than just these but random ones. But then that ones. takes it away <laughs> like, for me, for what I was saying before. Like, you're yeah. not going anywhere. I know, it's... I know, but then you want the complete collection at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I've been wanting to say this for a long time, you know. Yeah? Are you ready, Luke Malloy, for some audacious oral? 
Oh yeah. <laughs> the Play audacity. The music. <laughs> the audacity. You know, words come up quite a lot today. <laughs> Well, who's going first? Uh, how, how are we doing this? I yeah. think we should go. I think we should do Luke's question, my question, then your question. Who's answering them? Well, yeah. the, the other two that aren't. Are we just sort of? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. we're just trying Spoiled to that okay, jump fine. in there. Yeah, yeah okay. come on in, Luke. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Am I going first? Yeah. Embrace the darkness. What does Rosim stand for? Oh, oh fuck! Rescue operations. System. Module. Oh, it's not system, but the rest is right. Rescue service? operation. Service module. No. Solarian. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Security. Oh. oh no. Very good, though. No, yeah. I, I, I give you that. Do you know, well, I, I remember because right? um, Olenza, she says that, doesn't she? She's like, oh, it's a rescue. It's come <laughs> to rescue us. Okay, so my question for you two is, spell si- uh, s- uh, Sumerian system. Ooh, uh, C-I-M-M-E-R-I-N-N. I-A-N. Yes! Yeah. I'm sorry. You... Okay, I, go. No, I, no. Oh, okay. I can't. That I can't is do spot that. on, Luke. <laughs> yes, yeah. God. You didn't waste that education, did you? <laughs> uh, my question is, what is the type of TARDISes that the Doctor avoids at the beginning of episode one? What type are they? 40. 70? 70, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay. What's your next one then, Luke? Come on. Uh, Give it to us, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What is the earliest year that a time portal connects to? 50. The Roman times. No, it's oh, the Roman no. times. Not 1572. Oh. They oh. go to the Roman times. <laughs> <laughs> AD. It's AD, yeah. Oh. AD. I can't remember 15. The Roman right. times. Okay, when AD 79. Wins. Oh, I was going to say, well, I was going to say, yeah, 1572. But... Yeah, you, Joe wins. It was 305, AD. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, but that, that's remember. the one where the Dalek pops out oh, of the scene. Of course. Yeah. I'll take a point. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so. Uh, how many mirrors and clocks are in the time machine that brings through the Daleks? Is it like 112? Okay. What are you saying? <laughs> I was going to say 240. I don't know why. Okay. And how many clocks? Oh, I think about it. I'll say 112. <laughs> one of them. I think one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was uh, 200. You are way out. Sorry. Yeah. Luke's the closest, though. 111. Oh. And 16. The clock. And 16. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Uh, and 1600 clocks. Oh. Okay. It's 111 mirrors well, and 1600 clocks. This didn't come up in your facts, but didn't Justin Richards say it was like a thing of mirrors? And then he was like, well, that doesn't really work well on audio, so I'll make it clocks as well, just so yeah. we've got an audio clue. <laughs> That's the only reason. And then the sound designer was like, piss off. I've spent ages doing those mirror sound effects. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, what uh, type of the dialects? Oh, yes. Okay. Which other Big Finish story? Features Shakespeare himself. 
<gasps> the Kingmaker. Yes. Oh, bugger. I didn't get it yeah. quick enough. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I, I knew that you knew that. Oh, that's a great one, isn't it? The Kingmaker. That is a great one. What Where a does hulker. that fit into this? <laughs> God knows. Oh. <laughs> we can't wait for the chronology on that. Oh my God. Good luck with that one. I think Paul, uh, Chris Freckleson turns up in that one, the doesn't he? Only, the annoying thing, I love the Kingmaker, but because that guy sounds like Chris Freckleson, I can't get that out of my head yeah. and it ruins the whole story for me the whole yeah, time. I, I just picture really him. Honestly, thought it was meant to be. Yeah. Because then there's a reference as well of someone yeah. looking like him. Yeah. And I know. He yeah. makes an appearance in the story. Yeah, but it's not the guy that it's... No, no, but the inference is that Chris Rexon yeah, has been yeah, in the story. That confuses it even more, and it just it's just ruined the whole story for me. <laughs> it really has. Never mind a witty dialogue. I can't imagine, I just plot. imagine Chris Rexon in a leather jacket throughout the whole of that story, just whatever that character is. So you get one thing wrong, Big Finish. I out, know. Right? I just, that's <laughs> out of my... Russell T. Davis said, it's a, you wear a silly hat and it ruins the entire show. Oh. It's true. Doctor mm. Who's a weird show like that. Mm. Yeah. And the fans uh, are even weirder. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Uh, Neverland, okay. Which one of these events do the Matrix voices not reference? <gasps> oh, what a great question. Okay, so we've got the admission of Peladon into the Galactic Federation. That's definitely mentioned. The election of Mavic Chen as Guardian of the Solar System. That's definitely mentioned. The Malevin, uh, M- Mavellin Dalek stalemate in 14... No, in 4590. Oh, the establishment of the cult of Morbius in 5725.3. Oh, I don't remember that one either. I don't remember the Mavellans or Morbius. Oh, fuck, it's one of the last two. Mavellans or Morbius? Mavellans or Morbius? I'm going to say Morbius. I'm going to say Mavellans. It's Mavellans! Oh. Yes! <laughs> 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 okay. The Jovians celebrate which birthday... And how long does their party go on for? So the doctor states that this race celebrates a yeah, yeah a certain birthday, and the party goes on for a certain amount of time. It's a year long. It's definitely a year, but I don't know. The no, he says he's going to let us stay there only for a year, but it's it's longer than that. Oh. <laughs> well, I don't know then. Yeah. No. No. It's, so it's their billionth birthday, and it's a thousand. Year-long party. <laughs> wow. Mm. Uh, okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, Captain. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, I can't read my writing. Hold on a second. Prepare yourself for this sentence to start <laughs> and end in different places. Oh, okay, here we go. Which previous <laughs> story in this season uses the fast return switch? Oh, I know the answer to this. It's, it's seasons, seasons isn't it? Seasons of Fear. Yeah, yeah Seasons of Fear. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, did you, did, you got to count up your points. I didn't count them up. No, you got more wrong. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. I didn't win then. <laughs> you got six wrong. Luke, how many did you get right? I wasn't counting. Was I, I thought you were keeping yeah, them. Yeah, I've yeah, seen you in your pen. Yeah, I just did too. mine. Oh. I think Luke won that, actually. Okay. So oh. well done, Luke. Thank well done. You. <laughs> Your big finish knowledge is extremely. I think they, you knew quite a few as well. They were great questions, by the way. Thank you. Mm. I used to write them for Lost and Galifrey, didn't I? 
Oh, of course, mm. yeah. Oh, the much lamented loss on Gallifrey. <laughs> it's lost in the universe of anti-time. Although, you know, I've noticed you're whoring yourself out on all the other podcasts. So there's <laughs> no, still plenty so of... Great. There's still plenty of... Loop. Yeah, it's all the fun and none of the editing. Yeah, it's great to be a podcast. <laughs> okay, well, um, that's, that wraps that up. Um, should I say where we're going next? Please. I'm, I'm riveted. Well, I will tell you where we go. Well, we're doing a little mini episode after this where we are visiting two Big Finish talks back. So we're doing the Eighth Doctor Authors... Oh. And Paul McGann is interviewed oh, as well. He's a, he's a very dull interviewee. I am Paul John McGann. <laughs> I think it's one of his really early interviews, though. He hadn't really done very much by then. All I so, remember was the bit we heard. He yeah. goes to Indivision, goes, oh, I've been doing fringe theatre. I've been doing um, musical theatre. He goes, what, you've been dancing? She goes, Paul, I can barely sing. <laughs> <laughs> but then we are going on to the Excellus quadrilogy. Oh, Christ. I know nothing about that. So that's Excellus Dawns, Excellus Rising, Excellus Decays, and the Bernice Summerfield Plague Herds of Excellus. <laughs> which <laughs> is plenty a of Excellus going on there. So, oh, which, yeah, is a bit well, not Anthony, my favourite. Anthony Head is the villain. Iris mm. Wildtime appears in two of them. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've heard clips of Iris Wilde. It doesn't sound up my street. <laughs> <laughs> She's all right in her own series, actually. She's okay. She's loud, obnoxious, and she loves men. She's right up my street. <laughs> <laughs> they're sort of rip-offs of Doctor Who stories. It's basically what Iris stories are, aren't they? Mm. So, like, they're... Yeah. I don't know. What's... Play to the hill. They do the five Doctors joke. Loads of yeah. Time. The yeah, five yeah. Irises. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, it's all yeah. the shit monsters, so it's like the Zarbies and the Quarks. It's quite funny. Yes, we should be going there. Well, that's very exciting. Before we out, Luke, will you just um, please just throw a few mentions of podcasts you've done recently so people can seek you out should they wish to hear more? Recently? Mm. Uh, it's probably the hamster ones from January uh, when... We did listen and let's kill Hitler and a good man goes to war when it clashed because you hate it and I love it. <laughs> you did a too hot for TV. How recent was that? <laughs> well, I listened to it recently. recently. That's probably I'm why. Was <laughs> it? Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I love too hot for TV. That's amazing, um, Dylan that? Reese is just the, the best host uh, <laughs> with with you too of course no 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 he's the best <laughs> no, he's, he's amazing yeah yeah he just carries it with such a bubble and flow it's great um what's wonderful yeah. about him is he doesn't invite you on and insult you you know he's very charming yeah he laughs at everything you say oh he does he makes me feel like i'm the funniest man alive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so that's great and i've got my articles as well uh so i've been doing the ultimate doctor Who story ranking which is uh the modern stories from 2005 to 2017 counted down in my list uh with my stories and anecdotes and uh, analysis and anything try and find an interesting ways to do a short little piece on each Doctor Who story. Um, so we're actually quite near the end now. Uh, I imagine they'll be will be on like the top ten when this goes out. Uh, so you you'd be coming at the really juicy parts. Um, but yeah, please do check that out as well. It is magnificent, and you do find 
unusual and interesting things to say about those stories that I've never heard before. It's one of the best countdowns I've ever read. Go and check it out, everyone. It's <laughs> terrific. So when thank we bring this out, you. can you just put it a little link underneath? Yes, yeah, I'll do that. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me on this. I mean, it's great to go on podcasts uh, and talk about Doctor Who episodes, but like, it's always a bit hard. It's always, you're always like repeating slightly on what people have said in the past. And if you listen to podcasts, you sort of know. What's been really nice about this is you, I've listened to so much Big Finish, and you can't talk about Big Finish with anybody. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> um, even if people are Doctor Who fans, or even if the Big Finish fans are so much of it, they've heard that bit and not that bit and this bit. It's really good to listen to three stories, a proper mixed bag as well, and just talk them out. So it's been really nice to be on. It's a big finish podcast are a bit scared. I'm surprised we found an audience at all, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's proper. It's a proper USB. No one else is doing it. And you do it in such detail with the chronology. Doc Oho. It's great. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> We've set a task, haven't we? I so, oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, minute. even I'm surprised that you're doing like, every release. That is Yeah, flying to the fucking moon. <laughs> Were you Let's... were you out with us in the usual way? Yeah. Okay. Well, we will see you all next time, everyone. And don't forget to finish, finish big. big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so handsome.